Hello and welcome to Everyday Linux Episode 2, Ubuntu Extras, for the week of April 19th, 2011. This week we'll delve a little farther into the world of Ubuntu and talk about some of the more popular software packages. Last week we talked about how to set it up and customize it a little bit, and uh, this week we'll move on to uh, doing some actual work with it once we get there, and some of the the, uh, software that uh, is most commonly used to do your everyday uh, sort of computing tasks. And with me as always... um, and I can say, as always, because it's been two whole shows now, uh, is our co-hosts, uh, Josh Reitz, also known as Tux2, Chris Neves, also known as Slipped, and Kay Arthur, also known as Ginger May. Hello, folks. Hello. Welcome back to the show. And, of course, if you can't remember, my name is Mark, a.k.a. The Tightwad Tech. Um, so I just wanted to uh, get started this week um uh, uh, talking a little bit about some of my own uh, Ubuntu issues because I thought it was germane to the show. A um, couple of weeks ago, last week, it wasn't long ago, I bought a, uh, or actually my employer bought for me, a new laptop uh, because my other one was several years old. And uh, uh, because this one is brand new and uh, some of the bleeding edge hardware available on the market, uh, my favorite Linux distribution, uh, Ubuntu, uh, uh, didn't work. Uh, didn't have any sound. The video drivers didn't work. Uh, so I was forced to, at least for now, leave Windows on it. Uh, so it's got Windows 7. And of course, Windows 7 is, is what I use on my desktop at work. And it fits in the uh, corporate education sort of environment that I work in. So I'm not uncomfortable with it. But for uh, two or three years now, my personal computing platform has been Ubuntu. And um, it's been interesting sort of going back to um the world of Windows, even though I interact with it every day, I haven't really lived with it. And um, one of the interesting things is uh, that that I think uh, is important to what we're talking about today is all the software that comes with a Linux distribution. I w- uh, it's it's spring in Texas, and uh, those of you who've ever been to Texas in the spring know that uh, it's blue bonnet trampling season. Uh, blue bonnets are the state flower of Texas. Uh, they're a very beautiful uh, blue flower, and they only grow in this area. And so we are contractually obligated by being citizens of the state to uh, once every year take our kids out and have them stomp the flowers and take pictures of them. Uh, so as my wife uh, brought back her pictures of the kids uh, sitting in the blue bonnets, um, I fired up GIMP to to edit them. Well, I tried to. GIMP doesn't come on Windows. It comes on Linux. It's always there on Linux. Uh, but when I wanted to do uh, my editing, I couldn't because it wasn't there. And I actually had to go download it. So I went to the software center to, wait a minute, Windows doesn't have a software center. It was such a bizarre experience. There wasn't this central repository. I had to had to remember the GIMP website. I had to go to GIMP.org and download it and, and then uh, install it. And that's such a foreign thing to me. And I'm sure Mac users um, uh, have a similar sort of thing. But once you're in that environment of where everything is just sort of right there, installing software isn't about finding it and then downloading it and then installing it and then setting it up. So I miss Ubuntu, and I just thought I'd share that with you. Well, thanks, Mark. At least we know you're, we're, that we're missed. That's right. Yeah. And then, yeah. 
now that I say it, that's not really that interesting a story. But in my head, it sounded pretty interesting. But as I told it and listened to the silence, um, maybe it wasn't all that interesting after all. Why do you crush the bonnets? Oh, that, that's a joke. It, you, 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 you take your pictures with them, but in the process of taking pictures, you're walking all over them. So that that's my Texas joke. It's blue bonnet stomping. You're not actually stomping them. You're taking pictures. Anyway. I'm dealing with people okay. who aren't from Texas. See, Texans listening to this will laugh at that. Trust me. If you say so, Mark. It's it's funny, yeah. people. Um, okay. Uh, but I do have some lovely photos of of uh, um, my kids, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little later on. Uh, they uh, they're sitting in, uh, amongst flowers that don't exist in nature, and that's what uh, Gimp can do for you. Which a wonderful tool GIMP is. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right, Chris, uh, what what did you have for us today? Well, I actually have made the move away from Ubuntu for at least my work desktop and the win- and the world of Windows. I am Ubuntu. now able... Ubuntu, yes, <laughs> yes. They can crucify me all they want. I'll say it how I say it. But anyway, I have moved to OpenSUSE at work. Susie? Yeah, you're probably not I saying see. that one right either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've told both ways. Yeah. When I uh, I contacted Novell many moons ago because I was going to buy their I was going to buy an actual subscription to the Novell uh whatever they call it their customer service thing, and they were telling me it's Open Susie. The right. Novell people were. Yeah, so, I think that just depends on who you talk to. It's a German word, right? Or it's not yeah. actually a word. It's it's an acronym they made up. So I guess you can say whatever you want, uh, With whereas Ubuntu is a word. Anyway, so tell us about your move to OpenSUSE, Susie, Seuss, Dr. Seuss. Well, or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Um, actually, the move's been pretty much uh, open and shut. Uh, all the hardware supported out of the box, just like it is in Ubuntu. Um, the only thing I had to remember to do is open Susie ships with a config, a configurable firewall. So you have to go in and turn on, you know, allow like, uh, your network traffic. So I could, you know, browse my corporate network. Is that, that uses the KDE window manager, right? Um, it, by default, it will. I don't like KDE for, at least not currently. Uh, it may change after GNOME moves up to GNOME 3, and if I don't like GNOME 3, I'll try KDE 4 and figure out where I'm going to land in the whole scheme of things. Uh, but by default, yes, OpenSUSE comes with KDE as their default. I chose GNOME as my desktop when I installed. And for those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, KDE and GNOME are the two most popular uh, graphical interfaces that sit on top of Linux. Linux itself is uh, is more like uh, the old DOS thing. It's a it's a command prompt with uh, white text on a black screen. That's the core of of the Linux operating system, the Linux kernel. When you make it an operating sy- system, you put something pretty on top of it. And there's two versions of pretty. There's KDE and there's GNOME. And uh, there's been a battle, uh, it's a good-natured battle, but a battle waging between those two for years as to which is the best. Uh, I think most people, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, most distributions right now are sort of settled on um, 
Gnome, but having a hard look at KDE uh, with some of their new developments coming up. And then there's this new one called Unity coming up that Ubuntu is about to use. So basically all that means is your icons look a little different. And the, the, where everything's located, too. Right, um, yeah. It, like uh, with Ubuntu, you have the dual taskbars, top and bottom. In OpenSUSE's version of GNOME, it's a single bar at the bottom. But it's still the GNOME interface. So it, it's it's similar but different, but yet it's still the same. <laughs> right. It's it's uh like we what we talked about last week, uh Apple Macintosh has the dock interface where you don't have a start bar, you have a dock, and Windows has has a start start menu and a system tray. Um you know, it's the same similar sort of differences between uh, KDE and GNOME. Uh, they have things just moved around. You have uh, uh, the clock maybe in the top right instead of the bottom right, things like that. Mm-hmm. And also so the Chris. KDE interface is a whole lot more uh, customizable. It's got so many customizable choices down to the, the color of each individual title bar. Um, you could get lost in customizing it. So, Chris, I haven't really installed the new OpenSUSE yet. Um, as far as the MP3 support and all that, how did that go? Actually, they actually have it built in. They Just like um, when you fir- your first boot up, when you're installing your updates, it prompts you for the Adobe Flash license agreement and the MP3 agreement. Nice, because it didn't used to do that. Yeah, they do it now. Um, well, because OpenSUSE, Suzy, I don't honestly know which is the right way to say it, is owned by Novell, and Novell is a big box company. They can they can have some of those licensing things, some of those restricted things we talked about last week. They go ahead and pay for that, uh, and so that's how they're able to do that. They, they well, they pay for it, and they also have a license agreement with Microsoft too, and that's how some of those extras get are able to be bundled. Right, like the Microsoft Core fonts. That's uh, Times New Roman in Helvetica for all you folks out there. The the fonts that you always see in Word. Oh. Right. Oh, okay. See? We're, we're, we're telling you things you didn't know. Uh, Kay, as we're talking about uh, customizations, last week or, or two weeks ago, the last episode, we were uh, uh, doing customizations, and you were sort of going off on a tangent there, changing things. I'm curious, uh, how did that come out? Are you still working on it, or did you give up on it? What's what's the uh, status of um, Kay's customizations? Um, I'm working on changing the background of my login screen, because I still haven't quite figured out how to do that, but I've gotten everything else customized how I want it. I have, instead of the ugly brown bar that I had, I have a nice silver one now. I like it. Okay, so you made it your uh, your own within. How long did it take you to do that? Five minutes. Yeah. Okay. So you know, last week really... or in our last episode, you didn't even know it existed, and then now you're tweaking it the way you uh, you want it to be. And the moral of that story is, it wasn't hard, right? It wasn't hard, not at all. Right. All right, guys. Anything else before we jump into the meat of the matter here? Josh, you got anything new and exciting? Um, well, let's see here. I, I, I took the plunge and actually bought an actual game called Minecraft. And surprisingly oh. enough, it actually works in Ubuntu perfectly. So there's a little story for you. Is that a Windows game? Um, it's, it's not actually a Windows game. It's actually a Java game. 
Okay. So it actually works in Windows, Linux, and Mac. So all three operating systems it works great in. That's really cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, with it being Java, is there any? Have you heard of any rumblings of them putting it on the Android phone? Um, there are some rumblings about the Android phone, but you know it's a 3D program, so you know it has yeah. to have a powerful enough processor and all that. So they're probably going to wait for the new version to come out that supports all of that. Isn't that a game where you have to dig for gold and build stuff and 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 that sort of thing? Yes, yes. It's you you, you actually you actually you actually build all these structures. You dip, mine for gold, silk, um, gold, iron, and all that. You smelt stuff. You can also play online with other people. It's really quite fun. That I don't know. If you're not for, shooting aliens with lasers, I'm not really into it. <laughs> I'm hey, with you. you. I like I like shooting zombies. So. Hey, you want your zombies? There's zombies right in there. <laughs> in Minecraft? Yep, at night they come out. So, yeah, you can shoot your zombies all the way up. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things that I've already mentioned is uh, some of the, the most common software that is that is in uh, your Ubuntu uh, uh, distribution is GIMP. Uh, Chris, tell us a little bit about what GIMP is and, 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 and why you would want to use it. Well, GIMP is a photo mani uh, manipulation tool. It works really f uh, ability to uh, edit photos on a Photoshop type scale. Um, if you've ever seen Photoshop run or have ever um, seen a professional use a photo editing software, nine times out of ten they're probably using Photoshop because of the fine control that it gives you. The GIMP gives you that ability but free. Um, it has brushes, so you could paint with it if you wanted to learn how to paint in a digital painting. Uh, it has cropping and editing uh, layers, just lo loads and loads and loads of tools that a professional or even a semi-professional photographer or a hobbyist even, for that matter, can use these tools to make their photos look even better. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, starting with uh, Ubuntu uh 11.04, uh, GIMP no longer comes bundled with it, right? They decided it was too professional level and put, um, what was it, Spot of, Spot, uh, Open Shot? Shotwell. Shot there you go. Um, as it, in, uh, as their default graphic tool instead. Is that, is that, am I right on that? Yes, you are. Um, and Shotwell is a, gra is a photo editor, but it's more than a photo editor. It's more like um, Picasa, it, right? Yes, yes. It, it, it handles categorizing your photos and basic manipulations. You know, red eye reduction. Um, if you needed to change the uh, shadows or the lighting of a of a picture, you can do that in in Shotwell. And it's I don't, I don't know if it's would it be considered its grandfather program? F Spot is also available. It does the same thing. Right. Um, yeah, if you've ever used Picasa on Windows, which I highly recommend for the, the average, you know, the grandma user that we're always talking about, uh, it's a great tool. It, it goes through and, and indexes all the photos on your hard drive and groups them automatically. And, uh, and Shotwell, uh, do, uh, does the same sort of thing. Um, and like you said, for red eye reduction and, and basic, uh, sort of, uh, editing, it's great. But what GIMP is great for is if you really want to, um, 
dig in and and totally change uh, a picture or, or tweak it and make it better, um, you know, I'll go ahead and, and you, neither of you knew I was going to do this, but I'll do it anyway. Um, uh, I've been using GIMP for longer than I've been using Linux, actually. It's a, it's a, a tool that I have actually taught classes on uh, in the past. And just a little history, uh, there were two... Uh, computer science students uh, named uh, Spencer uh, Kimball and Peter Mattis uh, who needed a project and they thought, you know, we like Photoshop. Let's see if we can make Photoshop. And so they spent some time on it and that was their senior project as, as uh, uh, senior level programmers. Um, then when they were done, uh, they took the code and put it up on an old BBS, even before the days of, of the common internet, and said, this was interesting. If anybody else likes it, you know, maybe they can find some use of it too. And it's been going on for all these years now, and it's become a really professional level tool. And it's almost, uh, uh, it's not a direct clone of Photoshop, but it's darn close. If you can you work with Photoshop, you can work with the GIMP. And it's available on all three of the major platforms, Windows, uh, Mac, and uh, Linux. And uh, and how much does it cost, guys? Nothing. Yay. It's absolutely. And how much does Photoshop cost? I think the last time I looked at it, it was $450, yeah. somewhere on there. It's lots of money. And GIMP's going to give you, you know, 85, 90% of the functionality. It's not going to do everything, but for $400, I can work for the other 10% manually. See, and I was talking with an actual photographer about the difference between GIMP and Photoshop. And he says the main problem he has with the GIMP is it's a 16-bit environment instead of a 32-bit environment for color. Right. It's, uh, um, it doesn't do the, what they call CYMK, which is for, for print production. It's, it's designed more for web style graphics. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've never found something it couldn't do. Yeah. It, it's a great tool. I, it's one of those tools that I know very, I can scratch the surface of the ability that GIMP has. Um, but there's so much in it that I just, it's always been over my head for photo editing because I never needed more than just what I used it for. Right. Well, I'll tell you this at, at the high school I, where I work, our yearbook is entirely edited with GIMP. Um, they, they do everything they need to do. They save the files, they send it off to the publisher and, uh, the publisher doesn't know it's not Photoshop. According to the publisher, that you're supposed to send them Photoshop. PSD files. We just save our GIMP files as PSD and send them up, and it goes fine. It just cool. goes to prove the power of Linux. Right. <laughs> it can fool <laughs> even the greatest publishers. <laughs> okay, so we've got GIMP and we've got uh, FSpot and Shotwell, which are sort of the same thing. Uh, what else are we going to find in the uh, 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 repositories there? Well, one of the tools I absolutely love, and I install it on every on every install of Linux, is called Gnome Do. At least in GNOME-based software, Gnome Do is the, probably the best thing I've ever found, and it works like a launcher for any application or document file or anything that you have in your computer. It indexes it all, and then as you you hit the hot key, which is defaultly Windows, the Windows key on your keyboard and the space bar, it pops open a little box and it says, type to start searching. And once you start typing and you just 
start typing. So if I wanted to say launch the GIMP, you know, G I M, and it already has it filled out, and you just hit enter, and it automatically launches the GIMP. So, so this is like in Windows 7 where you have your uh, search bar and you can type a program name and it'll run it? Exactly. But it also does more than that. It also does documents. It also can go online and search your, if you tell it your Google credentials, it'll look through your Google contacts, your Google Docs, um, everything. It, it literally can launch any program, any place, any website. Uh, it can, it, it just, I'm gushing over this thing because <laughs> it, it, it use it, I use it so much. And when I sit down on a computer that doesn't have Gnome Do or, a program like it, I'm lost for a few minutes because it's like I can't launch this the way I want to. See, like, and also, like, um, I have it set up so I can do uh, a remote control connections through GNOME Do. So instead of opening up um, Remote Desktop or Team Viewer or VNC Viewer, I just start typing it in, and as I f type it in, it fills it out for me, and then I connect to the system. So if I want to send you an email, I do my hotkey and I type Chris in, and it's going to find you and then what? Go to my launch Gmail, the compose window. What's it going to do at that point? Yep, it would launch the the. It would automatically pop open your your default browser to the compose menu on Gmail if you're if you configured it for Gmail. Um, That's very cool. Uh, yeah, it, it's one of those things. When you start setting it up right, holy cow. <laughs> it, it can also do, if you're in the Twitter scape, it can do Twitter's postings. Um, yeah, it, it's just immense, the stuff it can do. And it, it's light. You don't really even feel it in the system resources when it's running. It's just one of those programs that... It literally does. It the the little pop up menu for it says it do do things as quickly as possible, and that's exactly what it does. That's very impressive. I've never heard of that thing before, and and I've been a Linux user for a long time. I'm I'm gonna have to check it out now. As I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and mention, most of these tools don't come with your. Uh, stock installation. That's why we're call, calling these Ubuntu un extras. So you're going to have to go to your software center, like we talked about last week, up in the applications menu, and then do a search for, in this case, GNOME Do, G-N-O-M-E-D-O, uh, and, and install it that way. Yep. And and once you install GNOME Do and you launch it, the, you'll if you want to add some of the extra features, you have to go into the prefer the preferences menu. And they, by default, they show you the uh, official plugins. If you change it to all plugins, it opens up pages of extra things it can do. Like there's a thing for Dropbox. If you're a Dropbox user, you can move files around inside your Dropbox and share right from GNOME Do. So if you're a keyboard guy who doesn't like messing around with the cursor, that's the tool for you. It'll make people keyboard people. It'll make you a, it, it will make you a keyboard uh, a keyboard cowboy, um, because it, it eliminates a cowgirl. Excuse me, um, because it, it'll it, it'll do just about anything you want it to do. 
So I was just looking here at some of the settings, and I don't see Facebook there. You said Twitter is there. Uh, so we'll move on to the next thing on our list that can do uh, Twitter and Facebook and whatever else. And, uh, Josh, tell us what that is. Uh, yeah, that would be actually a quiver. It's actually a feed aggregator that can actually that can actually take things like um, like your Facebook feed and your Twitter feed and pull them right to your desktop. Like every 15 minutes, it pulls all that stuff to your desktop. And like if someone posts something to your wall or something, it'll actually post, it'll actually pop up with a notification right on your Linux desktop, so you can actually look at it and reply to it without having to go to the website to actually have to do all that. So you can what, see no all way. the. <laughs> and you can also uh, send uh, information to Twitter and Identica and, and Facebook and all that uh, right there from your from your toolbar. Uh, one, Correct. you type it one time, it sends it to all those other places. Yeah, that's basically how I update my Twitter feed. Is you know, whenever I update my Twitter, I'm updating my Facebook as well. So. And this is one that is uh, in Ubuntu, uh, starting with, I think, 9.10. Up by the power button in the top right corner, there's whatever your login name is, there's a button there. Uh, Your name is there next to the power button, and and that's that's Gwibber. It's already there. Uh, You just need to uh, uh, go in and and click, like, it says chat accounts, and that's where you would set up your accounts uh, and or your broadcast accounts. And once you've done that, Mm -hmm. uh, once it knows, it'll pull all that stuff in or push it out as you need it to. Exactly. Another compliment to that is also empathy, which, you know, which will integrate all of the Facebook chat into there, your MSN chat, Yahoo, all your chat programs right into one client. So you don't have 50 million clients coming up and alerting you. It's, it's all centralized in that little menu. So whenever someone messages you or you get a message in Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, it pops up as a notification. And you can reply reply to it straight from that menu. Now, on my Windows and, and my Linux desktop, I use TweetDeck to handle my Facebook and Twitter feeds. Uh, and then I use uh, uh, a tool called Pigeon, uh, which I think empathy is sort of the, the fork off of Pigeon uh, to do all my uh, uh, chat networks, Yahoo, MSN, uh, uh, AOL Instant Messenger, uh, whatever. I can't even think of anything others that, that are out there. I'm, uh, uh, who uses AOL Instant Messenger? But that's what came to my mind. Um, anyway, uh, what that um, tool that I talked about out by the power button does is if you sign up with Empathy or I think Pigeon, either one, um, it will uh, integrate all that into one place. So you can talk to all these places. Yeah, we've got it now. Uh, Facebook chat, Google Talk, uh, Instant Messenger, uh, IRC, uh, MSN Messenger, MySpace chat, if, if MySpace isn't dead yet, Yahoo, um, and all these tools right there from one interface. Yeah, Gribber's a nice yeah, program. Yeah, I- Gribber and empathy. See, and I'm I'm with you, Mark. I use actually Pigeon for all my chat clients. Um, there's something about empathy that I just can't get my finger on that I don't like, and I'm not 100 percent sure what it is. But I love Pigeon. I've been using Pigeon since back when it was called um, oh, what was it called before it was called Pigeon? Game game G A yeah like that? game. That's right, G A I M for GNU AOL Instant Messenger. Yep. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I used to use Pigeon, but when Empathy came out, you know, I kept using Pigeon for a while, but then I decided to try it, and I just haven't gone back, you know, because I don't use it too heavily. Well, yeah, for me, the deal breaker with Empathy is it's not available on Windows, and when I'm at work, I'm on ah. Windows, so there you go. <laughs> so, but let's talk about that, for example. If you do choose to use, uh, um, what's the one we just said, like, Eight seconds ago, help me out, pigeon. pigeon. <laughs> um, uh, it's a it's cross platform, so any any computer you're on, uh, you can you can use it. Now, Gwibber, for example, is only Linux, so you're not going to be able to use Gwibber on your Windows machine and on your Mac and on your Linux machine, which is why I choose to do TweetDeck. I like things that work cross platform, uh, but uh, you know you you can't do Yahoo Messenger on Linux. It's, it, they don't have a client. It doesn't exist. But uh, Pigeon does. Uh, it, it works, uh, pulls in your Yahoo contacts, and you can chat and stuff with them. I know with probably the current, uh, the youngsters today, um, they, they're probably not so much into Yahoo or, or uh, instant messaging. It's all about text messages these days. But uh, um, for us 30 and 40-somethings, we're still pretty much into that world. I, ho- I hope I'm not alone in that. I have a I have a client configured right now, and I'm I've been getting beeps into my ear while we're on the feed right now of people signing in and sending me messages. So yeah, you're not alone. The other thing that's nice about Pigeon is if you do want to take it um it, between worlds, you can always carry that config file with all the settings on your thumb drive or portable version. Good idea. Thumb drive. What's a thumb drive? Uh, USB drive. The little stick. Uh-oh. Guy. Okay, flash drive. Okay. Right. I've never heard it called that before. Being called that before. Or if you're really good, what I have done in the past is store all those in one location on Dropbox, and yep. then wherever you go, it's automatically updated. And you don't have to carry it back and forth. That's awesome. I have that. I have that set up with uh, for Dropbox with my XChat configuration, my Pigeon configurations, and uh, yeah, I got about 15 different things that copies itself all over. Okay. Up bandwidth. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned XChat. Now, again, that's probably something only for us old guys, but there may be some old guys listening. If you're into IRC, Internet Relay Chat, um, XChat is an excellent tool for that. But also, Pigeon does that, and Empathy does that, uh, that we've already mentioned. But XChat is sort of the... Uh, uh, Swiss Army knife, the 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 heavy tool for for uh, IRC chatting. You can do all sorts of things like conditional formatting and and things like that. Uh, but again, that's probably old guy I'm speak like right X- there. And there is I'm a like Windows X-Chat. version of that too. There's a there's a paid version of XChat and a free version of, of XChat called YChat. I did not know that. Yep. Yes, I'm actually I'm actually on Windows right now, and I am using YChat. So. Somebody forked XChat. What'd you say, Kay? I'm on XChat, and I'm not old. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither am I. <laughs> and, I don't think I am. And, of course, once you've got XChat loaded up, what's your favorite chat room to, to log into? The Tightwad Tech on Freenode. There you go. The Tightwad yeah. Tech chat room where you can hang out with us uh, on a daily basis. Very daily. <laughs> okay, what's next on the list, guys? Well, since we brought up Dropbox, we might as well talk about that. 
Now, Dropbox is cross-platform. They have a client for pretty much everything and everyone. So that would be nice for anybody who needs to carry files around, and it's a 2-gigabyte free program, uh, 2 gigabytes of online storage. But if you're a, an Ubuntu user, you also have this thing called the Ubuntu One. And yeah. Ubuntu One is 2 gigabytes, at least the last time I checked it out, it was 2 gigabytes of free space that is built into Ubuntu then. And then it just it works just like Dropbox. You feed it some credentials and it uploads and keeps everything synchronized for you. Also, if you're buying music through the Ubuntu store, it stores it in your Ubuntu One account. Right. Um, but it only works on Ubuntu, right? Doesn't work anywhere right. else? Almost. Um, that's... There's also they also have a they also have a web streaming service where you can where you can have the music you know you have to pay for this feature but where you can have your music in your Ubuntu One account and you can stream it to your Android or your iPhone. Wow! So you can actually stream your music through your 3G connection to your Android phone or your Apple iPhone as well. So that's a pretty cool feature that I saw. That is neat. Since we're talking about cloud storage, I just figured I'd point this out so everyone who needs, if they need space, um, if you have an Amazon account, you also have an Amazon SkyDrive account that is built into your, your just having an account with Amazon. And I believe it starts out at 5 gigabytes free. And but if you buy is, any album, they give you an extra 20 gigs. Correct. But you... Uh, there is no client yet, so you have to actually go to the web page and upload files to it directly. Okay, what's next on the list, guys? Now, we already talked about uh, um, Gmail, if we wanted to send an email um, doing that, and I, that's that's the way I live these days. But what if I am an Outlook user on Windows and I move over to uh, Linux uh, what am I going to do there? Josh, are you an Evolution user, or am I the only one on the oh, yeah. show? <laughs> I am an Evolution user. I use it heavily for work. Basically, um, you know, we have Google Apps at my work as well. But I, you know, I I use I use Evolution just because it can actually sync via the via Google Apps to my to the account, and then I can actually pull my email down onto the desktop. And it alerts me at everything right on my desktop as far as new email coming in. So now, evolution is uh, an attempt at an Outlook clone. Uh, Correct. It it looks and functions very much like Outlook. Uh, can connect to an Exchange server. Uh, can connect to a Google App server. Any any pretty standard mail server. Uh, I've seen it. I've I've you know I haven't used it uh, back when I was using a standard client I liked the Thunderbird client but now I do everything in Google Docs and I've sipped the Kool-Aid and I'm I'm a happier person for it <laughs> See I'm yeah. yeah I'm still an evolution user as well um but my need for evolution is more for the the um, ability for appointment um appointment and multi-calendaring in a place where I don't have to constantly be online to check it um in my out in the sticks place, the uh, 3G and Wi-Fi connectivity is really poor. So if I can't 
connect to Google, I can't get to my calendar so or my email. Where with me set up on Evolution, I have my calendar locally. I have all my email locally. I can search it. I can use the program that's built in called Tracker or that you have to download that will automatically index it and I can it's searchable then for me. Um, but I will make one thing very well very well evident is that while Evolution can try to connect to Exchange Server, it is kind of shaky still. The most current version of the Evolution Mappy client, which is what you need to talk to Evo to um, Exchange Server, is still a little half baked. It works, but not stable. Okay. Uh, I will mention that Google Docs connects seamlessly. Just, you know, thought I'd mention that. But if you don't have internet, <laughs> you can't connect to it. That's true. I think, I think they're working on some offline stuff with the new HTML5 stuff, but they took that out um, recently. Gear? It's interesting. They, they took out the Google Gear support for offline mail and then didn't put it back. Yep. And then once it goes back, I'll probably go back to the Google client. But until then... I need my access. <laughs> All hail our Google overlords. <laughs> okay, what's next, guys? Ready to go. <laughs> okay, well, I can talk about um, my the remote desktop program that I use. It's called Remera or Remia, or I'm not sure how to say that word. I just know it's a kick butt remote control system. Um, it pretty much covers every type of remote control system that is out there right now. Uh, VNC, RDP, uh, v okay, um, let me back up here. Uh, RDP, which is Remote Desktop Protocol, and it covers all of those. It also can handle uh, virtual network computing, otherwise known as VNC. It also can do, if you configure it so, um, the SSH controls, the SSH secure file transfer controls, uh, the no machine technology, which if you've never seen no machine in action, go over to nomachine.org and take a peeky at it. It's a very impressive uh, remote control system. And it also handles the XDMCP protocol, which is Linux only. And that, again, this, this tool, Remina, is, is a, a Linux-only tool, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's completely Linux-only. But the tools that are in it, you can use on any platform. But this particular program where it puts everything in one easy-to-use location is Linux-only. Correct. There is a, a Windows-like program out there that does the same thing as Remina. It's called mRemoteNG for you for those Windows users. And that I've used too, and that works really well. But it doesn't handle no machine. Yeah, That's of course, because that... it's not Linux. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a Windows client for no machine, but there's no, I've yet to find a place that control, that has the no machine client built into it, other than the no machine client. Uh, and I use that actually more than I use our um, SSH anymore. Hmm. Okay. 
All right, and uh, what we talked about previously already, um, the next thing we have on our list here is, is comp is. And uh, uh, Chris, tell us what comp is. is. <laughs> comp is, is the 3D desktop environment. Um, if you ever see, go on YouTube, you'll see plenty of information on, or at least demos of what comp is. It's, it's the wobbly windows. It's... Um, the cube. The rotating cube, yes. Yep, the cube or the cylinder or sphere if you configure it so. It also is the, the thing that allows Linux to burn their windows away, which is always a fun thing to have going. Right. We talked um, a little bit about that in our last episode. That's not one that you have to actually go download. You just turn it on. If you go into the uh, uh, extra settings, you tell it you want the 3D effects, Ubuntu will go out and get Compiz and install it and turn it on for you, and then you can have all those uh, cool effects. As long as your card is supported. And if it's not, it'll tell you. Yes, it will. And anymore, most of the laptops and, and desktops that come out, even with the integrated cards, you can still get some basic Compiz function out of it. Like I think my favorite, if it, if not for the cube or the the burn the windows away, um, the zoom is probably one of my favorite tools to use when I'm, you know, talking with people or trying to show something in a presentation. Being able to just zoom straight in on top of something and not distort it too terribly much is nice to have. That is very cool. I'd have to say that my most used feature of Compiz would probably be the preview of the windows down the bottom of the bar and the 3D window switching. Oh, the cube thing? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, not the cube. Like it's that. actually... It's actually, in Windows, if you press the Windows button and the tab, it actually puts your Windows kind of like in a row back so that you can actually go through it. Um, Compiz can actually do that as well, or it could also make it kind of like an album. So, you know, like like on the Xboxes, you know, you have it where the album comes out into the middle of the screen and all the others on one side and the other one, you can just scroll through it that way. You can do it like that as well, so... The other one I like is the other plugin I like is called Scale, but I always turn it on to cover all the desktops that I have. I'm one of those anal people that I have probably. Well, let's see. This desktop currently has nine, twelve virtual desktops, so twelve sides to to my cube. But that gets a little unruly when you have something in every desktop. What scale does is it, it's either a hot key or a lo hot location on your screen. And when you mouse over the location or hit the hot key, it brings all of the windows to one view. It's scaled back so you can see them all. And then you can click the one you want and automatically go to that desktop with that, with that program full screen. Nice. I'm going to have to check that one out. And again, uh, how do we find these? How do we bring up this dialog box to, to do all this sort of stuff on our Ubuntu box? You would have well, to install the Compiz Config Settings Manager. Ah, and so then we, we go to the uh, Software Center and we type in Config uh, Compiz Settings and we're going to find that. Or just CCSM. Okay. 
I usually just do compass and it comes right up. So there you go. And so that gives you uh, a little more tweakability over the because uh, in Ubuntu stock you'll just turn on 3D effects and it'll it'll you'll get some things. But if you really want to play with it big time, you need to add the uh, compass configs manager. Yep. Cool. So now let's see. We've got uh, everything all prettied up. And we can deal with our photos and our email. Um, and I think we um, mentioned last week uh, Firefox is the default browser uh, built right in there. Uh, what if I? Uh, what about if I want uh, something else like uh, Chrome or some other browser? How do I go about getting those? Is that going to be in the uh, uh, software center? The Chromium project is in the software center, which is Google's Chrome's open source edition. Um, you, if you wanted Chrome, you could go to Google and search for Chrome and it'll, uh, it'll prompt you say, Hey, install this pro, this file, just like you can do in windows and it'll install Chrome for you. Okay. Correct. So you can have Chrome inside, of uh, Ubuntu. I like Chrome. Right, I use uh, I go back and forth between Chrome and Firefox, and uh, even have uh, some of the other lesser known uh, browsers from time to time that I, that I go into just to make sure if I'm coding something that it works with those browsers. Uh, but for the most part, um, if it works in Chrome and Firefox and IE, it'll work with everything. Yep. And if you're an Opera user, there is a version of Opera for Linux as well. You just go to their website and download it. Yeah, it's like what two clicks in a in a password, and then you're you have either Opera or Chrome, Google Chrome. Yep. Installed. Correct. All right. Is there anything else we wanted to talk about? Um, I'm looking. I'm not seeing much more. I mean, we could talk about Skype, maybe. Skype you can download and install in Ubuntu, uh, which is how I'm talking to you all right now is through Skype on Linux. Me too. Yes, we we are all lovers of the Skype. It's a great thing. Uh, <laughs> are there other tools uh, for uh, video and voice chatting? I know on Windows there's several options. There's Uvu and, and things like that. I don't even know if there are others on, on Linux. Do you? There are a couple, but I've never successfully gotten them to work. With, I shouldn't say I don't. I've never had anyone else to try to get them to work with. Um, they're all based off of soft phones and um, the SIP protocol. Um, the one I usually use is is a program called E. I don't know how to say that. E K I G A. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, but it works. It's a fully featured SIP and H three two three compatible VoIP um, video conferencing program. Uh, I've heard people say that it works great. Um, I've just never had anyone to try it out with or even use it with anybody. So um, I know it's out there. I have it installed. It's always running, but no one finds me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I actually use something called uh, Twinkle, which is another SIP one for work. Yes, it's called Twinkle. It actually has a star on it, like Twinkle Twinkle <laughs> Little Star. <laughs> but 
Yes, I use that one for work. We have a SIP server at work, and that's what I use as my phone at work. So. Okay, what about you? What are some of your favorite tools that you like uh, to use uh, under Ubuntu? Are you with me? Did you hear me? I think we lost her. Sounds like we lost her. (laughs) Kay, what are are your favorite uh, tools that you use on a regular basis in Ubuntu? Um, I use uh, Skype a whole lot, of course, because I've got friends on Skype. But um, I have to say the one I've been using the most, actually, is something called Audacity. And I've been having fun with that one. Okay, what do you do with Audacity? What you do is you, like, say you have a song you like and you can't find it, like, on any, like, crosswire or whatever. You use Audacity to, like, uh, find, like, if you have a playing of it. Somewhere you use Audacity to copy it over and, like, put it on your iPod or MP3 player or whatever. Right, Josh? It's basically a converter, yes. So you have, yeah. if you, like, get a video off of YouTube or something, you can take the, you can extract the audio right out of it using Audacity. Or you could produce an entire podcast using Audacity, which is what I do with it. <laughs> exactly. Audacity is a uh, multi-track, fully ed- uh, customizable, uh, professional-grade audio editor. Uh, better than, uh, I mean, I've been in this uh, arena a while, and I have used uh, professional-grade tools that I don't like as much as Audacity. Uh, so, yeah, we... I we are recording right now uh, uh, into Audacity. I will edit it and uh, and mix it all together and, and do the intro music and all that right there on Audacity using a free open source tool. That is really cool. I really like Audacity, too. Um, before I found Audacity, I was using Gold Wave, and I really loved Gold Wave, but Audacity won me over. I'd have to say what I was using Gold Windows Wave? Sound Recorder. Oh, What's What? Windows Sound Recorder? Yes, I had a 30-minute silent clip that I recorded over. That was way back in the day. (laughs) Okay. I had a Windows ME computer, and I needed to stream stuff into the computer, so I used what came with the computer, Windows Sound Recorder. uh, I'll give you a little bit of a break for doing it back then. (laughs) But when, as soon as I found Audacity, Windows Sound Recorder went out the window. I can tell you that. Audacity went me over with like two clicks of the mouse. I think it does that for a lot of people. <laughs> what else do you use, Kay? We've, um, we've talked about the geek stuff. I want to hear from the newbie. I use Google Chrome. Chrome. Okay. Chrome, that's what I meant, yeah. I use that a lot. It's actually my main default browser right now. I like it because it, like, if, like, my computer, my dad will come up and shut off my computer on me and I'll have something going. And Google Chrome will sit there and, hey, you unexpectedly logged out. Did you want to restore these tabs? And it's really neat. I like it. (laughs) Okay. All right, guys, is there anything else you can think of that we need to uh, mention before we wrap up? Um, I would have to say one thing. Ubuntu 
11.04 is coming out this month. Sweet. So, uh, right. That's yeah. the way they do their naming scheme. It's the year that it comes out and the month. And it comes out every April and every uh, October. So it's the year dot oh four or dot ten. So 11.04 will come out in April of 2011, usually right at the end of the month because they're working on it right up until the last moment. Exactly. So it is coming. I think it comes out on the 28th, if I remember my dates right. And if I remember correctly, as soon as it comes out, doesn't Ubuntu let you know when, say, it's time to upgrade to it? Uh, usually they wait, they give you some lead time, uh, a couple of weeks to work out the bugs, but yes, uh, your update manager will say, Hey, there's a new version of Ubuntu. Would you like to, uh, upgrade? I've done that a number of times and it almost always goes smoothly. I have to throw that word almost, almost in there <laughs> because <laughs> the, the times it hasn't worked is when I've really heavily customized things and, and put things where they shouldn't have been according to, uh, Ubuntu, uh, and, and it has broken things, but for the most part, it's a smooth uh, process. The only, yeah, really, go ahead, Josh. Sorry. Um, the only way, the only thing that happened is when Kayla actually upgraded from Ubuntu, I think it was 9.3. 10 to 10.04 she actually she actually lost her Wi-Fi so I had to go oh, back and reconfigure that that totally <laughs> sucked I remember that well, and you know, as as long we've always said, we'll uh, talk about the good and the bad. That's some of the warts of Ubuntu, and they're they're working on that, so they say. But uh, it is not an uncommon tale for when you upgrade for something to break, um, and and unfortunately, there's no easy way to go back once you've upgraded. So I always say, wait a while, wait a couple of months before you upgrade, because I had that same thing. It wasn't my wireless; it was my sound. I upgraded from Ubuntu 9.04 to Ubuntu 9.10, and my sound went away. And um, to use Chris's term, the only way to go back is to nuke and pave. You 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 blast your uh, installation and reinstall 9.04 because you can't go back. You, there's no uninstall button. So I would say if if uh, um, un, un, inexperienced users uh, are listening to this, uh, I would caution against doing that update like the day it comes out. Give it some time. Yeah. Exactly. Another way that you can try it before you buy it kind of thing is download the live CD. Put your live, put the live CD into your CD drive. See if everything works. If, you know, then that'll give you a good feel, uh, if you upgrade, if things will break or not. So. Very good advice. That is good advice, but I would also be careful about that because I've had a couple of, a, a couple of machines that, that I've touched with a live disc where the def, the live version worked. But when I installed it, something broke. Mm. And it wasn't anything to do with the Linux. It was the way that the um, the firmware was on the drives. So, like, um, for example, my current laptop. If I try to put OpenSUSE on it, there's a drive misconfiguration on the firmware. And Linux says, oh, I need to work on the lowest possible denominator. And it slows it down to a crawl. It's a glitch with OpenSUSE that they're working on. Now, if I stay in Mint or Fedora, it works great. So it's it's something that the way that OpenSUSE is doing to talk to the hard drive. 
But those yep. those issues are have. rare. They do happen, but they're unusual. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, as we've said, um, there's no easy way to go back. So um, my my approach to updates is if, if there's not a compelling reason, if there's not some feature you have to have, don't update for a while. Let somebody else be the beta tester. Oh, yeah. That's why like I, that's why we still run Windows XP around here where I work for that same reason. Uh, we're just not ready for Windows 7 yet. And there's no compelling reason to upgrade to it. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys and girl. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. We've crossed everything off the list, and uh, unless you have any final words, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. Uh, I'm good. All right. Great show. Uh, <laughs> there we go. Had to say great show. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks for the next edition of Everyday Linux. Everyday Linux.